It's finally here. It's game day. And this is our final look at the Washington Commanders preseason opener on the road against the Cleveland Browns. That's coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Commanders fans to this Friday episode of Locked On Commanders, your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget that you can subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And you can continue the conversation with me via text message by going to joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Commanders. Going to be texting all kinds of observations and having conversations with Commanders fans via subtext tonight during the game. I am not in Cleveland. I am at home, so I will be watching it on television just like many of you will uh, as well. So I will be sitting in my living room, sitting on my couch, taking my notes, doing my my thing, and uh, and and we can talk Commanders football. Of course, I'm your host of the Locked On Commanders podcast, David Harrison, on Twitter at dharrison82, credential member of the media and Washington Commanders beat reporter for CommanderCountry.com, part of Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation. Here with you every Monday through Friday, along with game day, and, uh, of course, we're always here with our everydayers as well. And everydayers greatly appreciate your continued support for the program. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. On today's episode of Locked On Commanders, we're going to make some bold predictions and we're going to analyze the team's first unofficial depth chart just a little bit. Try not to overanalyze it a little bit, but point out some things that I think are interesting and maybe how that depth chart is going to really unfold uh, on Friday night in the uh, in the first preseason game of the year. But we're going to start this pregame episode by looking at the top three storylines that I'm going to be watching for this first preseason game, uh, the storylines to watch in the first one. It's got to be quarterback Sam Howell, right? The most important position on the field. And again, we've got a brand new starting quarterback last year the brand new starting quarterback was Carson Wentz Ryan Fitzpatrick before that of course Taylor Heineke ends up taking care or uh, taking over for both of them at some point in time uh Taylor Heineke completely for Ryan Fitzpatrick and then for a stretch against uh or, or for not against but for Carson Wentz now Taylor's in Atlanta so no Taylor Heineke coming in for the Washington Commanders no matter what happens with Sam Howell but this is going to be his first start his first game as the quote-unquote number one quarterback for the Washington Commanders. Of course, he has an actual start that's going to count in regular season start uh, against Dallas Cowboys last year, but he wasn't the guy, quote unquote, uh, at that point in time. This is going to be his first time leading this team onto the field as the leader of the football team. And again, it's it's been a, a quote unquote competition according to Ron Rivera, but Sam Howell's job, uh, or at least getting the first crack at securing the job so far, so, well, so good, but we'll see how he does in his first live Action And of course, he's gotten just about every first team rep, uh, got every first team rep just until this week of training camp when Jacoby Brissett finally started getting a few first team reps towards the end of sessions. Uh, and, and Ron Rivera basically said that was to lay the initial foundation relationship between him and the receivers in case they need to turn to Brissett for any reason. Could be poor play by Howell, could be an injury, could be uh, a special package maybe that EB and them have, have been working on and talking about that we haven't seen in practice yet. Who knows? Uh, multitude of reasons, but I think it's a good idea overall. Uh, to get the veteran quarterback some snaps with the, with the first team offense, I don't think that you know if push comes to shove, whether it's because of poor play by Sam Howell in the offense or it's an injury, you don't want Jacoby's first rep, you know, behind that line, his first time throwing to Terry McLaurin, his first time handing the ball off to Brian Robinson to be 
in a live game situation, right? So if you can give them a few reps, give them a few snaps. Plus, we've talked about Sam Howell and kind of some of the practice fatigue and, and all those things. And so it kind of has a, a benefit on both sides. You give Sam Howell a little bit of a break. You give him a few, uh, a few fewer reps in practice, but then you give Jacoby Brissett a few more reps and you give him uh, that foundation with the starter. So there's a there's a double benefit uh, to that whole plan. Anyway, most practices that we've charted Sam Howell at so far during our Howell watching, and I had to miss three practices this week due to a family uh, uh, issue that I had to, to deal with. But most of the time, Sam Howell is coming in around 60, 65%, right? Some days are better than others. He had like one like 85% day, but he also had like a sub 50% day. Uh, but I think the mean is probably around 60 to 65% completion uh, right now. Last season, in the preseason, Sam Howell played all three games. Week one against Carolina, he was 9 for 16, 56% for 145 yards and 86.7 QBR. Week two against Kansas City, he went 10 for 18, which is, again, a 56% completion rate. Had 122 yards in interception, which dropped his QBR all the way down to 53.5. Uh, and then week three against Baltimore, played the entire game, 24 for 35, 280 yards, 69% completion rate, a touchdown, and a QBR of 102. So finishing the preseason strong last year. For Sam Howell in total in the preseason last season, 62% completion on 69 passes. That's 43 completions uh, out of 69 attempts, 547 yards, which is 7.9 yards per attempt, 12.7 yards per completion, which is pretty solid. Uh, and then a touchdown and an interception. Now, coming into this season, right, we've talked about the expectations for Sam Howell. We've talked about a little bit of expectation management, especially coming from the outside, whether it's fan, whether it's media, whether it's both understanding what is it that this team really needs from Sam Howell, right? And what we've kind of, I think, agreed to is that this team needs better quarterback play than it got last year. I think for the most part, we all kind of agree that if this team gets better quarterback play last season, they're probably a playoff team. Now, the good side of that is they're in the postseason. The bad side of that is one of these quarterbacks might be coming back. Um, and of course, I think we're all kind of happy with the direction that the team is going in uh, at the moment. So if we're just looking for Sam to be better, than last season. Well, last season in week one of the preseason, Carson Wentz completed 10 of 13 passes. That's 77% completion rate. Had a 74-yard uh, performance, 7.4 yards per completion, and an 89.9 quarterback rating. Now, you go back to Sam's numbers during, again, training camp, and those numbers are not official by any means. Um, he's getting 12.7 yards per completion, right? Or last preseason, sorry, 12.7 yards per completion compared to Carson Wentz's 7.4 yards per completion in week one. So, if that trend continues and if that Sam Howell shows up, you know, is he going to complete 77% of the passes? I don't know. I think that's a, that's a, that's a pretty high mark, right? To, to complete for your first preseason game uh, going ones against ones, but it's not impossible. You know what I mean? It's certainly if, uh, within reach, but I don't know that we need these stats to necessarily line up. Of course, when we get past the game, we will return to our Howell watch uh, for the first time since Sunday's episode uh, when I was last out at practice. And we'll we'll kind of compare his performance versus Carson Wentz's preseason week perform week one performance last year. But I think the important thing to remember though too is last season week one versus Carolina Carson Wentz zero carries, but Sam Howell had three carries against Carolina for 19 yards and two touchdowns. Kansas City two carries for 13 yards. Baltimore eight carries for 62 yards. And of course we all know that he ran the ball a good amount against the Dallas Cowboys, scoring a rushing touchdown there as well. For the total preseason last year, 13 carries, 94 yards two touchdowns. That's pretty good running stats, right? For a quarterback that's not really considered a running quarterback. So in total, Sam Howell last preseason, 641 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, no fumbles. And I think that's very important too. No fumbles, no strip sacks, no fumbles while running, ball security, 
very, very high in Sam Howell's uh, priority list. We've seen that during training camp. We saw it last preseason. Um, I think that's going to continue to be something that you see kind of a hallmark, hopefully, of Sam Howell's uh, career is ball security. I mean, if he can secure the ball, that's job number one, right? The job number one is to make sure that your team starts with the ball, your team ends with the ball. Even if it ends in a punt, at least do it under your own terms. So we'll see what he does. Uh, but I mean, I think when you look back at his last preseason, again, he's, he's going against the threes. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, you got to take that into consideration as well. But I mean, his preseason already last season was pretty darn good. We'll see how it looks this year uh, under Eric Bietemi and as the, as the uh, first team quarterback going up against first team defense with the Cleveland Browns. How much is he going to play? I think one quarter is probably the most you're going to see him play. And, and, you know, look, if they kill it the first drive or two, I don't think even if they kill it first drive, like let's say they just go right down the field, no third downs, all first downs. You know what I mean? And just, just punch it right in the end zone. I still think you take Sam Howell out there for a second drive. But if you got two really st strong drives against the Cleveland Browns defense, I think you probably see him shut it down. Um, but I think after that, you know, beyond that, you're probably looking at a quarter. Uh, should they play more or less? I think right now one quarter is about right. You know what I mean? You've got your first kind of major section of install done on your on your offense with Eric Bieniemy. This is your time to kind of go out there, test it out. You want to put some things on film. You want to put some processes on film. So you've got something to study against a live opponent instead of just going up against your own defense, plus a little bit of game planning actually going into this week uh, as well. So that's our first storyline to watch. And of course, after the game, we're going to be bringing back our Sam Howell watch. So come back for that post game uh, or in the morning, depending on if you need to go to bed early. Uh, but for the rest of today, we've got two more storylines to watch. That's going to come up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're going to have that discussion. Thanks to our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available, and that's why you need to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job on LinkedIn Jobs and add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy for you to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hires why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the quality candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on NFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. Everybody on Lock Dog Commanders, first listen or view of the day every day and every day. I appreciate you again for your patience this week. Appreciate you coming through for yesterday's episode. We talked about uh, the fallout from the Ron Rivera, Eric Bieniemy comments uh, and the player concerns and all those things. And, and so far, uh, most of you that are commenting in any way uh, seem to agree with a lot that I had to say. I appreciate that, of course. Uh, and those of you who disagree, hopefully, uh, you know, a respectful conversation is, is always welcomed. Um, so if, if you have a respectful disagreement, then we will certainly talk about that. If you want to drop those in the YouTube comments for this one, we're going to continue our storylines that we're watching for in this week's preseason or today's Friday's preseason uh, contest against Cleveland Browns. Again, the, the Washington commander, Cleveland, Brown, Cleveland Browns scheduled to kick off 730 p.m. Eastern time. That's airing on NBC4. If you are in the D.C. area, if not, then I'm pretty sure you can stream it on Peacock. I want to say I saw you can stream it on Peacock or NFL Plus. Uh, if you're out of market, you can stream it there uh, as well. Our second storyline to watch this preseason game, this first week preseason game, if there's, I don't want to say question about the quarterback position, right? Like we all have a question about Sam Howell. How is he going to perform? How is he going to do right? Obviously. But 
it's not teetering on the line of doubt so much as it's just wondering what's going to happen. The offensive line, though, that's a question mark that is teetering on doubts. And for some of you, it's not teetering on doubt. It's doubt, right? There's there's concerns there uh, on this offensive line. Obviously, how the offensive line does is going to impact Sam Howell directly. If this offensive line just gets destroyed, Sam Howell doesn't really have a fighting chance to do anything uh, productive behind that line of scrimmage. According to John Kime of ESPN, tweeting earlier on Friday, guard Sadiq Charles with his calf injury will not play, meaning that Chris Paul is going to get the start at left guard for the Washington Commanders offensive line. Now, Chris Paul, we've talked about, we've actually had him on the show post-practice one day, and he's had some ups and downs in camp, right? And Chris Paul said himself that those ups and downs, you kind of expect them to come in training camp, and that the great thing about training camp is it gives you an idea or an, an opportunity, rather, to identify your deficiencies and get better at them, identify your strengths, and build on top of those. Uh, and I think that's a very good way to put it. But talking about some of his weaknesses, some of his deficiencies that we've seen so far in training camp practices, for, for one, for starters, he leans heavily in pass protect, protection. So, he, you know, uh, there's, there's a saying in basketball that says, you reach, I teach. Well, defensive linemen have the same saying. And if they see a left guard reaching out there trying to get their hands on, on a pass rusher, you reach, I teach. And we've seen some players blow right by Chris Paul while he's leaning forward at about a 45-degree angle because he does. He's just he's just that antsy, that, uh, that anticipatory, and trying to get that contact and lock in with that defensive lineman. Now, they've been working on that patience with him, and not every it's not every rep, guys, right? So let's take all this with a grain of salt, right? It's just on occasion we see this. On occasion, though, you see really good form and technique. So if he can stay disciplined in his form and technique, stay disciplined in the way that he plays, then you could see a solid crisp ball, but certainly something to look for. If he does get beat off the line, it, there's a very solid chance you're going to see that's because he reached too much too early and ended up off balance, and the defensive lineman took advantage uh, and pushed right past him. Now, where he's where Chris Paul has really kind of consistently shined or shown through training camp is pulling right on, on a lot of these perimeter plays, especially the right side of the line. The left guard kicks it, kicks out, pulls down the line of scrimmage with confidence. And that's what you want to see is Chris Paul get down that line, get down there quickly, get through that traffic, get through the feet without getting tripped up and then engage your defender, seal off that edge uh, as best you can. We've seen some really good work from him there. So hopefully we see that again uh, in this game. He did have some issues earlier on in training camp. Uh, where he was not being maybe as aggressive as the coaches would like him to be. Uh, I saw coaches talking him up one one day, uh, kind of coaching him up, saying, hey, look, go hit that guy. I don't care if he's wearing the same colors. Hit him. Give him the work. Give him the business. You know what I mean? We want to be aggressive out here. I uh, saw Charles Leno coaching him up on the sideline one day, telling him basically the same message. Go out there. Go after him. Give him everything you got because they're going to give you everything you got, and that's what you got to do uh, to get better. Shouldn't have that problem today. Right, shouldn't have that problem Friday night. Shouldn't have the issue of well, I'm hitting my teammate. You're not hitting your teammate anymore. They're wearing brown, well, orange, but they're wearing Cleveland Browns uniforms. You know what I'm saying? So, Chris Paul, we should see a more aggressive brand of football out of Chris Paul. If we do, hopefully, it doesn't create more mistakes because sometimes you can see those things, things like getting down the field too soon and getting a flag for uh, uh, an ineligible receiver downfield or false starts, anticipating the snaps, stuff like that. So, Chris Paul certainly. Someone that we're going to be looking for, and he's got some competition, man. Chris Paul is going to be going up against the Browns' right side of their defensive line, right defensive tackle Jordan Elliott, and right defensive end Zadarius Smith, assuming that they play. I, I checked right before I hit record on this episode. Haven't seen any confirmation, but also haven't seen any reports that they won't be playing. Uh, they're the Cleveland Browns. In uh, 2022, Elliott, the defensive tackle, had a 59 overall pass rush grade, so not a great pass rush grade. He had two sacks, 21 total pressures on 351 pass rush attempts, all of that according to PFF. Uh, that's a 6% pressure rate. With That equates to one pressure for every 17 pass rushes. Sam Howell probably isn't even going to be there for 17 pass attempts, 
which means in theory, you shouldn't see Elliott get any pressure on Sam Howell if Chris Paul uh, and his teammates are doing their job, right? Zadarius Smith, on the other hand, is a total different beast. Obviously, was very good with the Ravens, very good with the Packers, very good with the Vikings. Now he's with the Browns. Darius Smith had an 84.7 pass rush grade last year, 16th best in the National Football League, 78 pressures on 495 pass rushes and 10 sacks. All again, again, all according to PFF. That's a 16% pressure weight rate, which means one pressure for every six pass rush attempts. So that's a little bit different of a, of a beast there in Zadarius Smith uh, compared to, to Jordan Elliott. Now in run defense, Elliott actually had the lower run defense grade as well, 33 overall, which is not good in 2022, while Zadarius Smith had the 68th best grade of all NFL defensive linemen. That's not just edge rushers, that's all linemen with a 70 grade. Now Smith is the edge, so mainly he's going to be working right against Charles Leno Jr., maybe a tight end in line, a block or a chip block from a running back, what have you. But of course, we know defenses like to move their guys around in alignment. They like stunts, they like twists, they like all those things. So Paul is certainly going to see himself some Zadarius Smith, I would be willing to wager. But his matchup against Elliott seems to be a fairly good one. So if you get him and Elliott one-on-one, that should be a matchup that you expect Chris Paul to be able to hold his own in. So we should see some good things out of him tonight. If we don't, that's going to raise more eyebrows, more concerns. Now, Dalvin, Dalvin Tomlinson, the left side defensive tackle uh, for the Browns, is the better of the two defensive tackles. Uh, and again, there's certainly a possibility that Paul will see him as well, either through alignment shifts or through twist stunts, what have you. Um, so that's what the Browns also have coming. And then on the left side, of course, is the always dangerous Miles Garrett uh, over there. I mean, the new Washington right tackle, Andrew Wiley, is going to have his work cut out for him. When Paul pulls to the right, that we just talked about him pulling really well in those run plays, he's going to be looking for a guy like Miles Garrett. If Miles Garrett is engaged by Andrew Wiley or somebody else, he's be looking to get that second level. But that's a really good exercise for him. You know, you've looked good pulling against your own teammates and, and you know, all those things. Let's see how you pull against a guy who's looking to to knock someone's block off there in Miles Garrett against the Washington Commanders. So, again, assuming all of these guys play and assuming that they all play, you know, by the time Chris Paul pulls for the first time, maybe Miles Garrett's on like a three to five snap uh, snap count to get him out of there, even though the first team defense is in, he may not be in. So it's all going to depend on how the Browns do this thing as well. But some things to look for out of Chris Paul, specifically against his Browns defensive line. Uh, something that works out in Washington's favor, though, I think, is that this team likes to use a lot of four-man fronts. The Cleveland Browns do. And that's what they've been working on a lot in training camp is Washington Commanders four-man front. So there should be some good positive transfer here from what they've already been working on to what they're going to see from the Cleveland Browns. I think it's a really good situation for this Washington uh, offensive line to get their first live action. Uh, just remember, this is a first measuring stick event, right? Not a total evaluation. So from here, we're obviously going to look at things to take away and what we want to see improved and sustained moving forward. I'm actually going to drop that episode my big takeaways and what I want to see in the next week's training camp uh, practices because of those takeaways next week, of course, starting on Sunday for, uh, for practice. And then we're heading to Baltimore for a couple practices before Baltimore and Washington play next Monday nights, not this coming Monday night, the following Monday nights, uh, third storyline. This one's gonna be a little bit quicker. The secondary, right? We've been looking at how they're going to line. We're pretty confident. Kendall Fuller, Manuel Forbes outside Benjamin St. Juice inside. That's your first three. Uh, when the two are, when the two, when there's only two, when it's Kendall and another outside guy, is it going to be Emmanuel? Is it going to be Ben? I think it's going to be Ben, even if it's just because of Emmanuel's, you know, recent injury development. Uh, I think it's going to be Benjamin St. Juice. So it does sound like Emmanuel Forbes is going to be able to play. Wouldn't really be surprised to see them shut him down after maybe one drive, get him a drive of live action, and then shut him down to prevent further injury. But we'll see how they decide to handle it. Want to see them. Uh, come away with at least one interception. The secondary completely want to see him come away with, with an interception. And look, if Emmanuel Forbes can pick off Desha Deshaun Watson, 
I think this is going to send some uh, some exciting shockwaves through the fan base, right? So certainly would love to see uh, something like that. Do I think it's going to happen enough to predict that it'll happen? I'll tell you that coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Wrapping up this pregame episode of Locked On Commanders with some bold predictions and a depth chart review, just some, some ideas, some talking points I wanted to hit uh, concerning the first unofficial depth chart released by the Washington Commanders. Uh, start with bold predictions. We'll start on the offense, go to the defense, and then we'll get to the depth chart. Uh, my first bold prediction, I think we'll see four or more read option plays from Sam Howell. Now, they may not all be run plays. They may not all be RPOs, but I think you're going to get some read options uh, from Sam Howell. You know, read options are going to be something Eric Bianmi hasn't really shied away from. It's something that's going to be kind of a focal point here for this Washington Commanders offense this season. So uh, I do expect to see that put into use here against the Cleveland Browns. It's something they're installing. They're going to want to get some good looks at it uh, against a live defense. So I think you're going to see probably four or more of those uh, against Cleveland Browns in the first week of the preseason. Bowl prediction number two, I think you're going to get three or more off-ball and linebacker blitzes from the starting unit. Now, last year, off-ball linebackers blitzed 115 total times for the Washington Commanders, uh, according to PFF. That's an average of six times per game. So three or more may not sound like a lot, but remember this first-team defense probably only only going to be on the field for about a quarter. So if you take that out and you extrapolate, that's about 12 blitzes, uh, 12 bits, 12 blitz uh, pace. Now, that was hard to say for some reason. I'm not telling you that I think the commanders are going to blitz their off-ball linebackers 12 times a game in the regular season, but I have noticed more of it in training camp, so I think we might get a little bit more uh, of that here in the preseason uh, with the starting unit. So again, three or more off-ball linebacker blitzes. So Jamin Davis, Cody Barton getting blitzes here in the preseason against Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns. And, and, you know, look, the more confident you are in your front four, the more confident you are in your secondary, the more flexible, the more aggressive you can be with your linebacker. So I think that's where maybe we see the Washington Commanders try to get a little bit more production out of the linebackers is by blitzing them against opposing offenses. Uh, so we'll see how they do week one. So some depth chart thoughts. Uh, Ron Rivera said uh, to end the week about the depth chart, about the first unofficial depth chart quote, it's going to be all about playtime, and that's probably the biggest thing. If you're playing early, and you're only playing a few, that's because we feel pretty good about you. If you're playing a lot and you're rotating, it's because we need to know. And that's the only thing I think that I hope our guys understand is that's all it is. It's just a report. End quote. Basically saying, don't read too much into uh, the, pre, the, 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 the unofficial depth charts, right? But when you look at any report, every report says something, right? No report says nothing. So everything says something. So your starters aren't probably going to get more than a quarter play of the game. So those are the guys you feel most confident in. The middle group is likely to pay, play the second, third quarter, most of the third quarter, if not the entire third quarter. Uh, I do believe that third-string quarterback Jake Fromm is probably going to come in earlier than maybe a lot of people expect. I think you probably see Sam Howell get a first, get a full quarter, Jacoby Brissett. I, I really think you're going to see Jacoby Brissett get maybe two or three drives uh, the most. That could take you through the entire second quarter, of course. I don't know. But I think that Jake Fromm is probably getting two, two quarters or more uh, of play. And then your final group is, is going to play like the fourth, uh, the fourth quarter, but that's not to me telling you how it's going to go. It's just one method that I've seen and just kind of what I feel like the commanders might do tonight uh, against Cleveland Brown. So it's not a one for one arrangement either. Like the defense might put in their second team defense before the offense does. It's not going to be, uh, you know, just lockstep necessarily in that uh, avenue. But getting into the depth chart, right? Starting with the wideouts, you've got your top three guys, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, obviously. Behind them, you got Deami Brown, Byron Pringle, and Dax Milne. And I know that Byron Pringle was a guy that a lot of people expected to be on kind of the top of that second team uh, receiver group there. But Byron Pringle is certainly someone who's gotten a lot of burn in training camp, which lines up pretty much perfectly, I think, with our pre-camp depth arrangement 
uh, as well. But behind them is where I think things are going to get a little bit interesting. You got Bryson Tremaine, Kyrick McGowan, and Marcus Kemp. And while these guys are all listed as third team, they may actually end up being among the game's snap leaders by the time it's all said and done as the, as the commanders try to figure out. Are they going to keep six? Are they going to keep seven? How many receivers are you going to keep? Who are you going to keep? Is there anybody that can maybe take a step forward? What's interesting to me, too, is that Casimir Allen is a fourth-team receiver uh, here on the first depth chart. And I think it's because they want to really see what he can do on special teams as a punt returner. Now, Jahan Dotson is listed as the second punt returner on the depth chart, but I would be highly, highly surprised if we see Jahan Dotson return a punt. We might see him fair catch a punt, but I would be incredibly surprised if we actually let see the Washington Mariners let Jahan Dotson return a punt in prison. Now, Kaz is listed as the fourth punt return man, but if there are enough opportunities, I do think we're going to see him get at least one return on Friday night, and he will be looking to return it because he's trying to make this team. Uh, similarly, on the offensive line, while Aaron Montero is listed as the second-team right guard, Nolan Laufenberg is listed as the third-team right guard. Both of those guys got second-team reps on the left side. I imagine we're going to see them get some second-team reps on that side as well against Cleveland. And with the injury to Logan Thomas, you can expect to see fullback Alex Arma get some tight end reps both in motion and lined up uh, from the huddle. Wouldn't be surprised to see him get some first-team reps, some second-team reps, some third-team reps. Uh, as they try to spread those those snaps out just a little bit on defense. I think things are pretty much as you expect them to be, but I think we might see second-year cornerback Tariq Castro-Fields get some second-team work uh, against Cleveland, even though he's listed as a third-team corner. One more bonus storyline before we get out of here, the developing snap between Cameron Cheeseman and punter Tressway on field goal and extra point operations. Uh, there's been some bad snaps in camp so far, and, and Tressway talked about uh, recently Cameron Cheeseman is using a new grip, trying to perfect that snap. Uh, just a little bit. So, uh, so far, it's not working very well. I would say an operation apparently on the side, it's going really well. But at, when they get on the field for a game scenario operation, uh, it hasn't been going super well. Uh, but of course, it is a process. They're continuing to work through it. Uh, but it's something that certainly uh, watch for here as we get into our first bit of preseason action. Coming up after the game, I will be back with a post game reaction uh, analysis episode. So make sure you come back for that. You can subscribe, turn on your notifications so you know when that. Uh, goes up for you and of course in the meantime if you got questions or comments drop them in the youtube comment box hit me up on twitter email them to lockedoncommanders at gmail.com or text me directly via subtext by going to join subtext.com slash locked on commanders as always thank you so much for making locked on commanders your first listen of the day every day and every day or thank you for coming through on a consistent basis like you do thank you so much for making me a part of your day and part of your football routine until we speak again please be safe be kind and I'll see you next time for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.